On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends Ken Gregory, Paul Sauter, and Tom Corcoran as we discuss Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi. Why, you ask? Well, we thought it would be fun. So we decided to go a little bit off topic and spend a few very enjoyable hours discussing this recent movie. Of course, since we are talking about Star Wars, we're going to need a change of music. All right, so this is this is completely off the beaten path. This is outside of the progressive palaver mission statement. However, big doings, and you know maybe maybe this is our strippers in a king's X video moment, where we're we're trying to go outside of what we normally do and what we're good at in order to. Uh, to appeal to a larger audience. Or maybe, maybe we're just a bunch of middle-aged guys flying our geek flag and we want to talk about something that's topical. So there's been there's been a lot of discussion back and forth recently um, surrounding the recently released Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. And there was a there was a, a request in amongst the group to have have a palaver episode. So here we are. I That's don't exactly. Tom thinks it's it's it sucks. That's all. Well, Tom <laughs> does think it sucks. <laughs> oh. and, and I believe he took umbrage with me when I suggested that maybe it didn't suck entirely. Well, in fact, I think you stated that some parts were, in fact, brilliant. I did state that. <laughs> yeah, that that was your that was your 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 downfall there, Joe. <laughs> um. So so before before we get in, one of the things that you know I I understand about this that we have to be upfront with the listening audience because some people do apparently not get out very much this is very much a spoilers episode we've never had to say that on progressive palaver because there's nothing to spoil when you're talking about 40 year old albums <laughs> you mean we didn't spoil tales from topographic ocean you liar i don't think so but since we are talking about something that is very current and very popular um, I just wanted to put that out there. This this entire episode will be complete spoilers. So if you, for some reason, haven't seen Star Wars Episode Eight and want to, don't listen to this episode yet. <laughs> Tom, did, did you give your dog an elephant bone? <laughs> 
Yeah, I got to do something about this, guys. Hold on. Um, <laughs> so my youngest daughter is having her first sleepover with a couple of her friends. And um, the, my large dogs are sort of freaking some of them out. So both my dogs are in the studio here. Um, they've been in the studio for a couple hours, and they're, um, they're getting cabin fever, so to speak. So give me give me 20 seconds. I'm going to put them outside on the side here, and then um, hold, hold that thought. In the meantime, I'm going to let you know that... The first entry, although it's not really, it should not be the first entry, but unfortunately it is because because I'm just getting around to realizing that I want to do this. The first entry in the Progressive Palaver Dictionary shall be Umbridge. Umbridge? Umbridge. So I'm oh, gonna, are, are, are we collecting my 25 cent words? Yes, okay. we are. Hmm. All right. Awesome. So again, I don't really know how to uh, how to address this because this is outside of our normal format. However, I guess we already set it up in that Tom, you didn't like the movie, although you did admit you liked the last what thirty minutes or so, something like that. Uh, I say, uh, I mean, I definitely liked um, probably close to the last hour of it. I mean, like forty-five minutes an hour. I mean, there was. It, you know, the last 45 minutes, an hour were a lot, was was a lot of fun. I mean, it was fast-paced, and, um, you know, a lot of things came together. And, I mean, it sort of had the whole Star Wars uh, motif of different groups of characters coming together for the fight, and you're sort of intercutting between, you know, different uh, groups of people trying to um, get out of certain situations and um, it, it was fun. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, not taking things too seriously. I mean, there, I, I did enjoy it, um, at least, you know, part of it. Um, so, but, uh, I take great, there's a lot, a lot of problems, um, with the film as a whole. And, um, and, you know, a lot of it was, if it wasn't just outright ridiculous, it was disappointing. Certainly, <laughs> you know, the first half of it. And so, um, I, I take great issue with um, a lot of things in in the movie. And right, well, again, pick, in, pick, I mean, pick we, three well, things. Huh? Wait, wait, three. wait, wait, wait. But, but before we, we before we make him pick three things, <laughs> and, and I want to get back to that, Tom. I, I want to read you something. And I want you to tell me if you still agree with this. FYI, The Last Jedi was ludicrous. It left me as annoyed as Gary Sharon Van Halen. Do you still <laughs> feel that way? Oh, yes. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, I... Um, it was... Yes, I'm 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 very annoyed with the, 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 the Last Jedi. But, you know, listen... It, in in the the last King's X episode, we're talking about um, you know the saying that you can fill in the blank. You know, even bad sex is good. Even you know, <laughs> you know lousy pizza is good. Um, even you know, lousy Star Wars is good. You know, even <laughs> lousy Star Wars is entertaining. And um, oh, you know, man. I had a lot of fun with the last half of the film. 
and it was even though I I it it, it was disappointing. Um, you know, I'm glad I went. So I mean, it, 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 I've certainly seen worse movies, and you know, it's um it's certainly worth even talking about. I mean, like you know how ridiculous this is even talking about this. So I mean, it's it, it's worth it's it's worth a discussion enough. You know, I suppose I liked it enough to discuss it. So, um, I mean, that being said, you know, I have, I have a lot of problems with this movie. You know, and, and, and Paul, I'm, I'm going to name a lot more than three. Okay, so, yeah, Paul, uh, let's get so back hold to hold on to your uh, drink there, buddy. You got, we got a lot coming. <laughs> all right. I don't know if we have time for all the things that are wrong with this movie. No, we don't, because there's a lot. But, um... I mean, so I, I mean, what, how, how do you guys want to go over this? <laughs> Hold on, my dogs are freaking out outside. I figured they would come back. You know, you know, it it wasn't enough for the for the progressive palaver to find a voice amongst uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of Merlin <laughs> fans and Yes fans. We have to compete with the millions of Star Wars fans. We're, 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 we're practically into the trillions right now. We're, we're trying to find a voice. We're going up against people that do Star Wars, you know, 40 hours a week. But, but let, yeah, let's have at it. And we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can have a relevant voice uh, in this huge universe. All right. So, so here's, here's, here's my take very quickly. Because, Tom, I, I generally agree with you. Um, you know, the, there there are a lot of aspects of this movie that, that leave me sort of wanting more, or perhaps just kind of scratching my head, going, "What?" Things that just don't make a lot of sense. Um, like in 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 a very broad stroke, this whole idea, like, well, and let's let's even take a step back and go to episode seven. So. Somehow, you know, it was a complete fabrication in that the Empire's gone and the Republic's in control, but yet somehow they have to have this sort of paramilitary arm called the Resistance, which sounds suspiciously like the Rebellion, but they're sort of outside the realm of officialdom, but they're sort of official. A complete construct. And then to take that construct and reduce it down to like 40 people at the end that's it 40 people it's like it's just it's too exaggerated a, a, a storytelling technique for me it's just way way too much um so that was kind of the first thing that got me um and, that's and while stunning that, say that one more time say that one more time which one just the, the the ratio. You're talking about a ratio of, of so, manpower? So, so the, yeah, the entire resistance by the end of episode eight is down to like 40 people. That's it. There are only 40 people. No more. And, you know, I, just, you know, a movie ago, the good guys were in charge of the galaxy. And now their paramilitary arm is down to 40. It, it's too exaggerated. Well, that's because, that's because the Starkiller Beast wiped out an, an almost an entire solar system of planets that contained the whole of the Republic. And by the way, even though there was only 40 guys, it was all cool because when they ended up on the salt planet, 
it turned out there was like 200 in the trenches. So they were fine. They were fine. <laughs> so, so that kind of annoyed me. In fact, here, I'll give you my three. So that's one of them. The, the thing that annoyed me in the beginning when I saw it and still rankles me to this day because it made absolutely no sense, especially given things that happened outside of, of the movie. So when Princess Leia gets blown out of the bridge of whatever ship she's on, and she's floating through space all ice-covered and everything else. Oh, that was awful. And then, and then magically, she sort of like just animates herself back onto the... the what? Huh? Mm-hmm. What what the fuck was that? Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I have, I actually, you know, because me being a nerd that I am, I actually had this conversation at work about uh, excuse me, I was under the impression that bodies blew up in outer space. So the the three things that annoy me are the resistance being utterly wiped out down to 40 people, which seems stupid. Um, Leia magically um, moving through space and dethawing herself so she can still be alive for the rest of the movie. Um, and, and I was talking, so I'd had this conversation as to, you know, why she didn't blow up when she was in outer space. And, and a friend of mine pointed out, and this was actually fucking brilliant. The reason why Leia did not blow up when she was exposed to the, uh, to outer space is because in normal sci-fi parlance, no one ever blows up in outer space. So that's the accepted norm in science fiction world. And I'm like, oh, of course, makes perfect sense. I'm sorry, where was this parlance? Was this like 2001 A Space Odyssey? Or was this like, 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 like V'ger era Star Trek? Or what, what? If, what you, if you look, if you look at, at basically any popular science fiction thing, anytime anyone, any hero gets blown out into space, they don't blow up right away. So, now my third thing didn't really hit me until the second time I saw the movie. Oh my God! You watched it twice. <laughs> oh, I got four. I got four kids. Damn straight, I watched it twice. Oh man, Ryan Johnson—that's how you say his name, right? Yeah. Even though it's spelled funny. Yeah. Um, Ryan Johnson, and you know, I—I I never know on a movie where to give the the credit or the blame in terms of the story and, and, and some of that, because, you know, does the producer write the actual words? I don't know. <laughs> but in the most unsubtle way possible, and I'm surprised I didn't see it the first time. They, this overuse of this, this concept of hope. If one more fucking character said hope by the end of that second time through the movie, I was going to, like, stand up and scream. And, you know, Carter, I, I love having Carter around because he, he just points out the most amazing things. We were discussing this in the car today. Not only did they overuse this concept of hope and, like, just keep hammering it into you with, with just adolescent zeal, the actual way that they, they defined the hope Actually changed throughout the thing so initially it was like you know we're you know the hope's going to defeat the first order and then by the end of the movie it's like 
where the hope that's going to start the fire that's going to defeat the first order. <laughs> so it, be, you know, it just be, it moves further and further away from from actually achieving it. So those those are my three things that really really pissed me off about the movie. Wow, that's amazing. So, um, I'm totally with you on the Princess Leah Mary Poppins bullshit. That <laughs> was ridiculous. It was and, terrible. And there are just so many better ways to have played that situation out. Like if you're going to blow her out of the spaceship and send her in space and you're going to show her that she's some amazing force person, why not have her use the force to let herself go and become one with the force and then show up later as a blue halo person? Because right, that's, really, right. that's really the only role she had in the rest of the movie. She was Supposedly, just Yoda thought she was stronger in the Force than Luke to begin with, anyway. So she, you know. the other hope, exactly. So like, so like they could have done that, and it would have just been such a graceful departure for her, given the fact that she passed. Right. Um. And now she's just gonna die. They're just like we're gonna just show up in Episode Nine. And they're gonna be like, oh yeah, you know, Leia, Leia, Leia's gone. Sorry. However, oh. even though I found that to be total bullshit, I will. Um, now, this is a little difficult because this article was actually published in the businessinsider.com, which I don't know is very reputable, but it does examine. They do okay. They do okay. Okay. Well, it does examine what would happen to the human body if it was exposed to outer space. Oh, so good. Please share. So eight, eight terrible things that would happen. So the first thing is going to happen is that you're all of the air in your lungs is going to rush out of your body. And most likely it's, it's just going to rip through your lungs and your chest. Right. I don't know that you would explode, but it's just going to e exit your body the quickest way possible. So much so that they, they suggest if you're ever in the position where you're actually going to find yourself being hurled out into the vacuum of space, they suggest exhaling as much as possible rather than, the instinctual inhaling that one last gulp of breath that you may want to to mm. do. What the about all the, but but what about all of the the air in your blood? There's a lot of gases in your blood. So there's more. There's more. There's okay. more. So also, uh, you are going to lose all bowel control. So very similar. <laughs> <laughs> very I mean, similar to to when I wake up in the morning. Uh, you are going to be at risk of pooping your pants. Um, then, oh my god, it's oh, kind of like a Marillion record, but okay. <laughs> so your blood will boil, and all the air in your blood will will uh, go away and be sucked out. So that means that you'll have exploding capillaries and boiling liquids in your body like saliva and everything else. Because you're, if any of this boiling inside of your body actually turns to gas, you could bloat rather than explode. I guess that's possible. There will be some cell mutation, of course, some freezing. Um, however, and this is pretty, it's pretty uh, rank when you read this because a lot of this information comes from studies that they did on animals exposing them to near vacuum situations. But at the very bottom, 
There was a study done in 1965 where scientists exposed chimpanzees to near vacuum conditions. And they found that the chimps recovered with no signs of cognitive damage even after spending three and a half minutes in the vacuum. Really? So, so if we can get behind the idea that Leia could use the force to present herself, prevent herself from asphyxiating, losing control of her bowels, stopping her blood and any other liquid in her body from boiling. Then, if she could catapult herself back into the comfort within three minutes, it's possible that she could do so without suffering any cognitive damage. There you go. So, is it is it's plausible? It's plausible. It's plausible to use to use MythBuster terminology. Right, right, right. It's still bullshit. I mean, it was terrible in the movie, but it is plausible. Fascinating, and and it's funny, Paul, because when I was so annoyed with that the first time, I started to sort of ask myself if, in fact, Leia did die in that thing, and she was truly a Force ghost throughout the rest of the movie. All uh, something in in the vein of the sixth sense, right? I could live with that. Well, I I thought that was, but the the one thing that sort of takes the air out of that is when they're all leaving the 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 rebel stronghold there on, on the uh, the salt planet Kate or whatever it's called, and everyone turns around and looks at her after Poe suggests they go follow the little critter. And everyone turns around and looks at her and says, what are you looking at me for? Follow him. That was, and, and I was like, you know. That's if, true. If it wasn't for that, I would have totally embraced the idea that Leia actually wasn't there through the last half of the movie, which would be really fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. Well, she did yeah. come in and shoot Poe with a stun gun. So. Yeah, there was that. But Yeah, that was know, a little Poe, weird. You know, that was just not Star Wars. It was very, very weird. Yeah, yeah, you know, so going back to the things that annoy me, you know, this whole idea of reducing the, the resistance down to four and everything else. And Tom, I had made this, com this comment to you on the text. I think by doing that, they really sort of got themselves out of this creative corner they were in. And now they can really open it up anywhere they want, and and you know so I, I think there was there was a purpose in the exaggeration. I just personally didn't necessarily care for the way that they did it. I thought it was it was poorly executed in terms of storytelling. That's that's my idea. Uh, Joe, do you, you you consider yourself a scientist? Correct. I, I do, yes. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I have another Business Insider uh, article, Hillary Bruick of Business Insider. Uh, three quick bullet points from this one. Scientists who love Star Wars say the movies are science fantasy, not science fiction. The distinction means the audience is immersed in an alternate, uh, uh, alternate universe. Um, forces act the way... They, yeah, they do not act the way they act on Earth. So it's alternate. Are you into that? Could you could you say maybe Star Wars is just a different laws of physics? Absolutely. And and the the most 
obvious example of this has to do with spacecraft travel. If you mm. look at the way spacecraft behave in Star Wars, it behaves very much like an aircraft, but in space. If you want to see true science fiction in that regard, you have to look at the Battlestar Galactica reboot, which handled mechanics of spacecraft absolutely perfectly. Mm. 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 Okay. Boy, the reboot was something else, wasn't it? Ugh, Battlestar Galactica. Are, are you saying that you, you liked it or you didn't like it, Paul? Oh, I loved it. I loved oh, it. Good, good. And I'm thinking... Well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad we can agree on that. I think that was... Uh, I will say, Joe, I will use the B word. I will say that that is brilliant. What, Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> the, the, the reboot. Yeah, yes. the, the, the I, original I is terrible. Content. Terrible, but, but the it reboot... Was fun, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. So... The, the one reason why I wanted to really, I, I personally wanted to have this particular conversation, not only to give, give Tom some goosing because it, it, it's fun, but I, 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 wanted, I wanted to sort of talk about the final, well, the, the close to final sequence. And as I was watching it the first time, the big showdown between Luke Skywalker and Kylo Ren, and as I was watching that, there were so many sort of alarm bells going off in my head. And throughout most of that sequence, I was sitting in the movie theater terrified that I was, in fact, watching the dumbest movie ever created. Huh. And, and, and in fact, you know, Star Wars as I knew it, I was watching it go down the toilet. And when the big reveal came... It was like deliverance. And I was just like, oh, thank God they did this absolutely perfectly. Because, and let's, you know, so let's let's sort of walk through that, that series of sequences. And, and keep in mind, if Leia is not really alive at that point, the interactions between her and Luke, given the fact that Luke's not really there, become that much yeah. more cool and powerful. I, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So Luke walks in, right? Out of nowhere. We don't know where, but we always assume there was a back door because everyone has to escape anyway. Right. And the very first thing that hops into my head is, oh, before he has to go save the galaxy, he gets a haircut and a dye job? What right. the fuck is that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because, it, I mean, it, it, the hair was shorter, the beard was darker. Yeah. It was obvious. Very, very weird. Now, why his his force projection would de-age himself in that way. I don't really know. Hmm. Then he walks out and, you know, Kylo's in his little shuttle and he's got all of his gorilla knuckle at-ats there. And he says, you know, every gun fire on this guy. And obviously, you know that Luke Skywalker's not going to die in this, but they, they unload so many shots at him and you're just like, how are they going to explain this? So, of course, the dust clears, and he does the, the dust off his shoulder <laughs> thing. Which, you know, very badass, very cool, but you're going, but how? What what happened there? And then the whole thing, and, and I, I meant to look, um, 
and and I I I was too distracted the second time I saw it. When when he and Kylo are, are engaging, I mean, do they actually ever come in contact with each other, or does does Luke always sidestep? Like, is there any yeah any lightsaber to lightsaber contact? I don't recall. No, I, I don't believe there is. The only the, I remember from the second viewing. The only contact that Luke has with anyone is he does actually um, touch Leia's hand. Right. They grab. He gives her the the dice and they they hold hands. And does she? And, know? Uh, so that that's the, that was the weird thing for me. That was to me that sort of they they missed that one there. Like the fact that they touched hands, although it would also give your you know she's sort of a force being, yeah. some some credibility. Uh, but yeah, and and, and I don't. No, there was no no contact between the two of them until that and moment. Then, and then the well, other, I, I I thought their lightsabers did. I, I don't recall. I, I I really don't. I'll have to go watch it again. I guess. I don't think so. I don't think they ever actually touched lightsaber. If if anyone actually listens to this, we'll probably <laughs> hear about that. <laughs> right. But the other thing, the other thing in this in this area of the sequence that really set me off was the blue lightsaber. I've been fixated on lightsaber color ever since I was a seven-year-old boy, and I got my first Star Wars action figure. And I'm still, to this day, fascinated by the fact that Luke came out with, and, like, the original figure had a yellow lightsaber, which made no sense. No one has yellow lightsabers. Um, So when, and, and obviously, everyone knows, you know, Luke obviously lost the blue lightsaber in... The Empire Strikes Back, and so he should, by all rights, have a green one. And in fact, in the scenes, the flashback scenes where he pseudo-attacks or thinks about attacking Ben Solo at the Jedi Temple, he does, in fact, have a green lightsaber. So, even though at the end of all of this, you know, it was, this, this was simply a force projection, and that was, like I said, absolutely the perfect right answer because it explains all of the sort of inconsistencies that we've we've seen it it achieves what he needs to achieve without putting himself in danger he never actually has to leave the planet that he's on and oh by the way he's still fucking badass but why on earth and this still bothers me why why did the force projection have to get a haircut, have to do a dye job, and have to use the wrong lightsaber? Why, 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 why? Yeah, not cool. But, but like I said, honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that all of this was a force projection, this movie would have been absolutely terrible. But the way they brought that together, I thought was, was brilliant. And the other thing that I'm, I'm sort of fixated and fast, fixated on and fascinated by right now is the interaction between Luke and Yoda. And I'm I'm sure I'm going to be chewing on this mentally for quite some time. Because Yoda clearly knew that Rey had taken the books out of the temple. He may have even told her to do it, for all I know. But he knew they weren't there, and yet he very purposefully led Luke to believe that they were still in the temple when he burned the thing down. 
And in fact, he burnt the thing down so Luke never got inside to see that the books weren't there. You know, our mutual friend, William, would say Yoda has always been a punk ass. That's what he texted me the other day. <laughs> he, was, he was a punk ass, you know, since the moment we met him. He's just in the swamp. That's who he is. So I, maybe we just accept that. Well, I, I, actually, I actually tried to get William to join us tonight. Oh, he did was, you? Uh, <laughs> he was working. Yeah, and you know, I've I've given my kids shit for years over the whole Yoda thing because you know my kids, you know, revere Yoda, and I'm like, you know, one of the things that I, I really liked about this movie, and and it's funny, I'm sure you guys saw the the articles or the tweets or the the Facebook posts or whatever about Mark Hamill expressing certain misgivings over the character of Luke Skywalker as portrayed in this movie. Just over the weekend, and I happened to see it sort of in real time on Twitter, one of the few times I was on, it was very, very cool, where, you know, Mark Hamill expressed regret that he had ever said those things. And in the final analysis, Ryan Johnson actually gave a really, really good movie. One of the things that I liked about the Luke Skywalker character is that he expressed the things that I've been sort of ribbing my kids about for years in that the Jedi Order as a whole were all a bunch of punk asses. They were, they, I mean, they were, they were terrible. They had no idea what was going on around them, and they got their asses handed to them and didn't know. The one thing I like to give my kids grief about is, is that Mace Windu is a better Jedi than Yoda. And really, the only reason that I have to say this is the fact that Samuel L. Jackson is cool as shit, and he had a purple lightsaber. Which, yeah. you know, what more do you need? But, um... You know, but I, you know, most of the time I'm just giving him grief to give him grief. But it does kind of—I mean, say what you want to about the episodes one through three. It painted the Jedi Order in a terrible light, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely terrible. I mean, they yeah. missed everything, and and so you know, from that, you know, okay, so you know, Luke comes in sort of with an atypical training regimen. You know, he starts too late. Um, you know, he's, he's learning from a 900 year old guy who, who ends up, you know, dying on him and he has to sort of somehow complete the training on his own, I guess. I don't know. And then he, you know, somehow he turns into this Uber Jedi and, and sets up his own temple. And, and one of the, here's another thing that I really, really liked about it. You know, this, the, the sort of different perspectives they gave of, of the the betrayal of Ben Solo, and, and, and you know, let's let's tie it into the palaver here. As Paul is having some sort of a fit again, <laughs> I, yeah, I can't fucking believe we're talking about this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's like you know, think think back to extreme. What three sides to every story? Yours, mine, and the truth. And that's exactly <laughs> how they presented. That's exactly how they presented. The interaction between Luke and Ben. Luke gave, you know, his sort of story. Ben gave his story. Both of those were sort of colored. And then finally Luke gave the actual story. And when he did that, and when he, you know, I, obviously I'm no Jedi Master. And I've, I've never trained anyone and I've never thought about murdering them in their sleep. 
But as a parent, I have had those moments in my parenting life where I have done the absolute wrong thing for my kid. And the feeling that you have when you do that is just crushing. And and that sort of gave me enough insight to say, I see where they were going with, with this storyline. And it resonated with me. I thought it was very powerful. I thought it was believable. I thought it was, you know, it, there was enough nuance in that part of the story that I could kind of get my teeth into. And I could kind of believe that, you know, you know, this is how we got here. Um, so, yeah, that was cool. Wow. So I, I, I want to jump in because there's so much that you've just covered. And, um, I, you know, I think the Jedi have a long history of telling the people exactly what the Jedi think they need to hear in order for them to accomplish their goals. I think that they're, you know, and they, they not only were inept and not only were they just like, I forget the term that you used, punk asses, um, <laughs> you know, but even once they realized that they had no idea, they had no clue that the dark side was rising and that they had no ability to see the dark side, uh, they became paranoid and they kept it to themselves and they tried to cover things up and, and so on and so forth. Um, so the, the, uh, and the whole concept of, well, it's from a certain point of view, I think kind of speaks to that same story that, that you were telling, uh, about it. And the, the relationship between, so I think there's a couple important things to, to talk about with Luke Skywalker here. So one of the things that we learn is that as Ray starts to explore the force, she mentions that she didn't, she didn't see Luke. She saw everything in the Force, but she didn't see Luke. And she comes to the, uh, the assertion that Luke has shielded himself. He's disconnected himself from the Force. So he's sitting here on this island. That's why nobody could find him. That's why Snoke or, or Ben couldn't reach out in the Force and sense him. Because he had shut himself off from the Force. Force, possibly similar to the way that Yoda did on Dagobah, right? If I had to drink all that milk, I think I'd shut myself up, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so, so, when, so when Luke comes back into the Force and you know, uses it in the, one of the greatest displays of the Force we've ever seen by projecting his image on a planet far away. Um, he is a projected Force image very much the same way that Obi-Wan and Yoda are when they come back in the movies. The way that Yoda, Obi-Wan, and Anakin are at the end of Episode Six on the planet Endor after the big second Death Star explosion. And I've seen it on YouTube videos or whatever articles I've read that when the person becomes that force image, that they are projected as the person they were when they were last with the force or when they were, you know, given themselves to the force. So that's why Ben Kenobi looks like the old Ben. That's why Yoda looks like Yoda did at the end of Return of the Jedi. And that's why Anakin looks like the young Anakin 
even though we had to wait, you know, until the the other, you know, special edition version for him to pop up there as the young Anakin. And so I think that would explain, Joe, why Luke shows up with the haircut and the dark goatee, because he's actually projecting his former self in, in the Force. And with his lightsaber, don't forget, the big a big part of Episode 7 was that Luke's original lightsaber, which was um, Anakin's original lightsaber, was found and was hidden, and Ray found it in that box when it was calling to her, right? And so Luke Skywalker, his original lightsaber was actually taken by Ray. It led to one of the best lines, I thought, in episode seven, when Kylo Ren, when they're in the snow-covered field, yells out, that lightsaber belongs to me. Like, I thought that was classic because it was actually, like, his grandfather's, right? Like, and and um, and then Ray was what she's handing him his original blue lightsaber, and so I think that would be why the blue lightsaber is in the Force image because that lightsaber is back, and that is exactly. Although that doesn't really stay consistent with the idea that you project yourself with the last version of the Force that you were. So, but I but just trying to kind of sure. Not debunk your your thoughts, but just kind of give the uh, the other the other side of the story. Um, to that, okay. it's possible. It's possible we're overthinking it too. I don't know. That, that oh, us overthinking? Good. No. Nah. Nah. Okay. So I think it's funny. We've we've been talking about this movie now for about forty minutes, and no one has brought up the fact. That the big baddie turned out to be a MacGuffin. Snoke was nothing. Snoke was dispatched without a thought. Yeah. We don't know anything about him. I don't even know that we care. Oh, I, that, I, I do. Find that amazing. Oh, you do? Okay, please. Uh, I mean, it doesn't bother you that we know nothing about this guy? I mean, it doesn't bother you that in The Force Awakens or this last movie, we've introduced a character um, as one of as the main antagonist, um, and we know nothing about this person. So, and now, so now, here's what here's what bothers me about that, because. And I think, again, it goes back to whoever the storyteller is. If it's Ryan Johnson or whoever wrote the actual script, you know, for for the moments where they have these flashes of, of utter brilliance, and I'll use the word again, they have these other moments where they just don't know what to do. And so they just make some shit up. And, you know, because... I can I can deal with the fact that you know Kylo Ren very craftily you know cut Snoke in half. Um, you know that was kind of cool, and I read an article that talked about you know to, to some of the people involved in the movie, and they're like, look, if if Snoke had gone off on a three minute monologue, it would have just crushed 
the momentum of the movie. I can get behind that. But here's the problem I have, and this is where I can't get around it, because it goes back to, you know, the whole story about Luke's betrayal of Ben at the Jedi Temple. And Luke says, when I looked inside, he was already too far gone. Snoke had twisted him to the dark side already. That's what bothers me. Where did, that's what I want to know. Where did this guy come from? How, under Luke's direct tutelage, did he get inside, you know, Ben Solo and, and all of this? Or did it happen before Luke got his hands on him? You know, I, I, that's what I want to know. That's the part that annoys me. The fact that that Snoke got cut in half in his throne room is, is you know, you know, almost meaningless at this point. But... Guys, can we back up a little bit on this? Please. Can we? Um, I, 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 I just want to go over a few things here. Um, all of the things we're talking about is a lot of fun. Okay, we're oh, sure. This is just um, sort of geeking out, talking about you know a lot of these fun uh, things with the Jedi and 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 this stuff. What, um, for a story, okay, not geeking out talking about technical things, but story-wise, um, and again, this is like music, just because one person doesn't like it, I'm not, believe me, I am in no way trying to sway you or whatever, we're just having a fun conversation, um, but I just want to bring up a few things that I have, I take issue with, and, you know, I, I, I just want to see if, you know, you guys chose to ignore them, or, I mean, you're very smart people, I, I think maybe you're, you just maybe didn't want to know about it, or, or, or whatever, but I, I, I'm just curious to see what, what, what your thoughts are. Um, so, right, going back to the beginning of the film, now, I understand, um, I was totally on board with the reluctant hero, um, Luke Skywalker, um, and I, I disagreed with even Mark Hamill, you know, the things that you were talking about, Joe, where he was being interviewed and he didn't like um, what the direction that, you know, Luke Skywalker was, was going and all that. I was on board with a reluctant hero because I don't think that what he, because he was through, he had been through what he had been through with Ben Solo, um, that he would want to just jump in and, and start, you know, fighting the bad guys, right? He's, I can see why he would be, he would do what he did be alone on the Island. Um, but didn't it bother you guys when, I mean, do you really think at the end of Force Awakens, Ray hands him this this tries to hand him a lightsaber, uh, and, the, and then uh, you know a couple years go by and we're like, oh my god, what's going to happen? You know, it didn't bother you. He just throws it over his fucking shoulder. <laughs> that was I mean, so mean, funny. I mean, come on. This isn't a joke. I mean, that has not his character, guys. His character would not do this. And and maybe I'm being. Mark you know, Hamill said that big. himself, though. Mark Hamill went 
you know, to the media, and he said Jedi's don't give up, and he disagreed with, you know, Ryan, what's his face, and, and right. Like, but I mean, yeah. I, I I don't care if he agreed or disagreed. But I mean, I'm just saying it's. Yeah, uh, yeah it is. It is. Yeah. Uh, you know, agreed. and uh, pardon my French. I, I mean, I don't. You know, it's not any. I mean, character is important in these films, and we can sort of geek out and talk about colors of lightsabers and all this other stuff. I mean, I, I think there's a suspension of disbelief when it comes to certain things, and I'm willing to um, push that suspension of disbelief to a certain place in the Star Wars world. But um, when the one of the first things that's done is he tosses his lightsaber over his shoulder. Um, <laughs> I, it's not his character, okay? Even if you're a reluctant hero... Oh, hold on. Hey, sweetie, what do you need? All right. Well, that's... that's okay. So Even funny, if it's worth it. That moment is so funny, it's worth it. But then I but, think they push the issue. it's not a comedy. But, but they, what? They push the issue way too long. What I wanted as a viewer... I liked that moment. I just, I lost it when he threw the lightsaber. But what should have happened is he should have stepped up and acted like a fucking Jedi, like, you know, within the next kind of two minutes after that. And it took like three scenes for him to do anything relevant. And that was really disturbing. And I agreed with Mark Hamill, the person, when he said, Jedis don't do that. I disagreed with the screenplay. But that's what it called for, and I did my job. But I don't think it's what it was called for. I understand uh, part of the what he the problem that Mark Hamill had is that he doesn't think that you know he should have been so reluctant and doesn't feel like he should have been you know saying that that uh, the the Jedi should end and and. What uh, what I'm saying is, from a story point of view, it could be Star Wars, it could be freaking Little House on the Prairie. Any story we're talking about, you have a character. It's when you when a character does something like that. What that character does says something about who that character is, and when it just does not make sense that this character would throw a lightsaber over his shoulder even if he was a reluctant hero and wanted to not be a Jedi anymore or whatever, you know, it, it just, it, it's not who we have, it's not who someone we have seen in previous movies and it, it's not what we know. Um, so Luke I'll, Walker to be. so I'll, I'll, jump, I'll jump in there because I, I slightly disagree with, it's not something that we've seen in previous movies. So, one thing that helps me uh, absorb episode seven in its totality and, and certainly episode eight is that Disney is killing the Star Wars that we all know and love, right? Episodes four through six is what created the Star Wars universe. And one through three got us to understand the story of Darth Vader and the way that it did. And we could talk about that for hours on end. So let's just not... But Disney is destroying the Star Wars that we know and love, not in a bad way. They're destroying it so that they can create Star Wars movies for generations to come that will not be bound 
by the Skywalker family and all of all of these things. And somewhat Paul, when you do in that somewhat, in a somewhat genius move, they're doing it by recapitulating the first three the first three movies that we that we were initiated to. You cannot deny the similarities in episode seven to episode four. And when you think about Rey showing up on that giant mountain handing Luke Skywalker her lightsaber, albeit it's a cheap laugh and it's a little bit more humorous, if you really think, even though the character's motivations might be different at those times, how different is Luke's reaction to Rey coming in to be trained than Yoda's reaction to Luke when he showed up at Dagobah to be trained, right? Exactly. Prancing around like a little green guy for like 15 minutes before Luke discovered that he was actually Yoda. I, I, I think the similarities are, are stark and the, again, the motivations of the characters are different, but you know, Yoda didn't want to train Luke and Luke didn't want to train Ray for different reasons. Um, I don't know that um, Yoda didn't want to train Luke. I think he was feeling him out. And I mean, I think that he was um, seeing if he was worthy. And, and Luke, I mean, Luke was the same thing to Ray. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I disagree. And I, I, I disagree with <clears throat> the fact that it's one thing to set up a new parameter for a new group of people. Um, and Star Trek did it with the new version of, with the Chris Pine, you know, movies, the past three movies, because they went back in time and they changed the parameters. And now we can do things with the Star Trek world that we, that, um, we didn't see previous. And so that logic stands because now we have changed things in the timeline, um, but this is different. We didn't do that with this. This is this is this is um, we have the same characters. We have the same parameters. Um, we didn't go back in time and and and, and, and change things. Um, this is this is for all intents and purposes the same story. And it's a, it's a, it's a linear story that we still have yet to finish. Um, where as Star Trek is sort of going on a, in a, on a new, you know, a, uh, Jay's not with us, but a new journey. Um, so <laughs> there is. Um, I, I think that you know, and this is just. Uh, Really, I mean, the first thing that happens in this film. I mean, so I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, you know, beat a dead horse here. But I mean, being this one of the first things that happens, and it, it's such a, um, a, f- a faulty character thing. I mean, I have, I, I take great, great issue with. No, now before I continue on my rather long list, Joe, it looks like you were trying to say something. What were you going to say? So I, I just have a couple thoughts on, on this, and, and yeah, I mean, obviously we can't do this all night long. We probably could. But anyway, I, you know, Tom, my, my initial reaction was very similar to yours because it, it, it was almost like a record scratch moment. Like, what? 
why why did he do that but it was it was it was short it was fast um and they moved past it and quite frankly there were other things that happened later on in this movie that i found much more egregious so i i i sort of chose to not make a big deal out of that one for me personally one of the things that i liked about you know all of the the scenes on octu or actu or whatever you want to call it um there was and i don't know if this was intentional or not but there was a resonant sort of callback to fight club which is one of my all-time favorite movies in that when when new guys show up at the house to, to, to join the fight club, Tyler Durden makes them sit out on the front porch for days on end and won't talk to them. And I just thought that was kind of cool. So that sort of yeah. eked me out a little bit. And, and in terms of, of the story and deconstructing it, you know, Paul, I, th- I think you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, that's sort of what I was, was pointing to earlier. You know, all of the movies to date have been just anchored on this, this Skywalker line and, and the chosen one and balance of the force and much in the way of, you know, that, that they beat us to death with this idea of hope in this movie. Kylo Ren was also very, very upfront about letting go of the past and killing it. If you have to, so here they are right in front of us telling us what they're doing and they're killing off the entire Skywalker thread in the idea of opening up, as Paul said, Star Wars movies for generations to come. So, you know, whether you like it or not, they're being very upfront about what they're doing. And yeah, you said, I said destroy, you said deconstruct. That's a much more positive word uh, to use. And I don't know how you guys felt about Rogue One, but I thought Rogue One was one of the best Star Wars movies that has been made. And and I feel like those are the movies that they are making for us. Rogue, Rogue One. One was a piece of junk. It was like the end, oh. and you got to have the thing, and you got to get the garden hose. You got to run the garden hose to the gas pump, and you got to get the the, the, the thing, and you got to press <laughs> the lever, and then and then someone's got to like do this thing and get the, the 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 USB stick so you can get the little like 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 LTE connection to the ship with your little mobile phone because you're, like, doing the, the tethering. Fuck. Fuck that fucking movie. I hate it. Wow. Wow. Well, can I, can I, found, I found all of that to build a lot more realistic tension and, like, the, the threat of, like, this has to happen right now than, than like drifting just outside the range of the star destroyers for uh, 45 <laughs> minutes of the movie so we can like go off to some gambling planet and and do whatever but so may- maybe you guys didn't like rogue one but to me rogue well, one you guys are making next- my job easy it seems like you guys are talking about i mean you, you you keep bringing up all these outrageous things that happened in the last jedi you're you're, <laughs> you're giving me ammo i mean this is this is the easy thing all i have to do is just keep my mouth shut and you guys are trashing the movie, and it's like, hey, I win. So, so I mean, like, I mean, uh, so it's not, it's not. That's just it. It's not a matter of winning or losing. I'm not trying to convince you to like the Last Jedi at all. All I'm saying is that that the episodes seven, eight, and nine are transition movies to get us out of the murky waters of all that we've talked about, 
and let us get on with the future of Star Wars. I think Rogue One, the Ben Kenobi movie that's coming out, and I think there's going to be another one after that. I don't know if it's going to, I think it's going to be a, oh, it's going to be Solo's next, and then it's going to be Kenobi. Like, I think those are the movies that they are making for the old guys, right? We're going to, we're going to dive back in and we're going to totally embrace that old Star Wars world. And Dude, do Disney that. is not making anything for old guys. These They're making things for a younger generation of people so they can sell products. Okay, well, well, tell, explain Rogue One to me then for the, some of the things that they put in. Nonetheless, Look, nonetheless. Well, well, that's another episode. I have a lot of things I still have yet to talk about with the uh, the well, last year. So the one thing that I'm going to say because I don't I don't know if I'm going to make it much past hour four in the <laughs> professional collaborator session tonight. I, I, um, you, you sort of, I don't know that you were actually questioning my intelligence or just wondering how someone of my intelligence could sit there and, and withstand all of the negative things that are happening in Star Wars. But like, I look at it this way, dude, if I could get past the fucking Ewoks and uh, the midi, uh, midi yeah. Like I can get through just about anything without it really bothering me. So pretty horrible. So yeah. really, just the fact that there were no Ewoks and no midi chlorians mentioned in Episode Eight, I it thumbs up over here. You know. All right. Well. So so Tom. <laughs> All right. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Sorry. Two things, Paul. <laughs> um, I have to bring up something. I, I'm not the kind of person that says I told you so. But I have to bring up something. You and I were on a car ride um, in 1999, maybe 2000. I believe it was probably going to Vegas or some godforsaken. Probably. San Francisco, I bet. Uh, San Fr what the hell were you doing in San Francisco? I think we had spent the weekend in, in L.A. and you were driving me to some meeting that I had in San Francisco. Jesus. All right. I'll so it, uh, episode one just came out. Yeah. Uh, you thought it was the next coming of Christ. Come on. No, 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 no. I like, I like the movie. I like the, the prequel uh, movie. Oh, no, you're not going to let you off the hook. I'm not letting you off the hook. <laughs> you, you really enjoyed episode one. We had a, a, a very long conversation about why I didn't like it, and you were, you were fighting me about how, why it was good. And how what a great character Darth Maul was, and, and yeah. everything else. I stand and, by that. And then you know, a couple years pass, a few years pass. Oh, Paul changes his changes his tone a little bit. Now, <laughs> and you're talking about metachlorians, and oh, metachlorians, and you know, uh, and uh, and whatever else. So, I we might just might. Um, a few years from now, um, there might be a little bit different conversation going on um, because you, you might be seeing The Last Jedi, and I haven't even talked about any of these problems yet. Um, so yeah, I haven't even got problems. Any of these yet. There are a lot of problems. I mean, dive into the next problem. I mean, there's not much time left. Dive quickly. So, what do you mean? No, no. What do you mean time so, left? All right, hold I, on, I, guys. Let me respond. Let me respond to that, that attack. Um. <laughs> oh God! No, you want to hear about no attack? I, so I stand behind. I stand behind episode one. 
I think that the my my feelings that you articulated that Darth Maul was a great character. I I I watched the prequels a lot because I was fascinated by the Anakin Skywalker transition to Darth Vader story. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought the well, character. Hold on, you can't defend that because we hadn't. Those other movies hadn't come out yet. We're just talking about Episode One. Right. Well, I was enamored with all of that, and that was the beginning of the story. And I really did enjoy like Emperor Palpatine and things like that. I don't know that I ever voiced my full 100% on support for the midi-chlorians at any time. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. And, and, and I don't, I don't think that my, that my opinion of episode mm-hmm. seven or eight will change in 17 years because I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I'm putting that much weight into these movies now that I may have done even at age 30. Um, you know, I'm, I, they're movies. I'm taking them for what they are. They're perpetuating the story. Yeah, a lot of it, there's a lot of stuff I don't like about it. And you just kind of move on because it's like Blade Runner. Like, I've celebrated that movie for decades. I watched the original Blade Runner a couple weeks ago. And I fell asleep during it. I just didn't think the movie was... And when I thought back to it, I remember watching it in college and I fell asleep during it in college. So I don't think I've ever really liked that movie, even though I've celebrated it for a long time. So, so in, in the, in the interest of, of not having this thing go on for three years, Tom, perhaps you can just kind of run through your litany of, of things that piss you off about the last Jedi so that we can at least have them captured on record. Gentlemen, you're already trying to get, Backing up out of this conversation. Listen. But this conversation. You ever see the Bronx Tale? There's a scene where Chaz Palminteri, who, who, who owns this bar. Chaz. And these, and, and, these, and these bikers show up. And they're being very. Ruck, there's a lot of ruckus. They're, they're um, causing a lot of problems. Um, and Chaz. Palminteri asked them to leave and uh, they don't leave and then they continue to terrorize this bar Chaz Palminteri turns around locks the door they all they're all quiet in the in the bar and he walks up to him and he says listen I asked you all to leave now I'm not letting you leave. And him and his mafia goons con- continue to or start to beat the living hell out of these guys. Um, throw, them out of the bar, now? <laughs> throw them out of the bar. Take metal pipes to their Harley Davidsons and leave them bleeding in the street. Gentlemen, you are bikers this evening. You dragged <laughs> me into this. You dragged me into this silliness. Oh. And we're not you're not going until we finish this motherfucker. All right. So, all right, but Tom Tom Tom, it, well, finish it, it. it. Go through what you, what's wrong. Yeah, give us your list. All right. So, I talked about the lightsaber silliness. Agreed. Um now, continuing on this 
desolate island, do we really feel in need to t- to show how Luke Skywalker survives on the island? Do we really need to see him fishing and milking, you know, weird things and 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 drinking milk from 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 weird aliens? What does this do for the story? Now, I'm talking about story things. Everything, you have to have a reason for everything. And if you don't, if you just throw things out there, that makes for a bad film. And any specific things that I talk about, they, yeah, you can throw them away because they were quick. Uh, You can throw them away because, um, you know, other cooler things happen in the movie. But when there are things that aren't well thought out and just thrown out there, it just makes for a, a movie that it, it shouldn't, you know, be given the weight that it's given. Now, can any of you defend, other than, you know, showing that Luke was resourceful and was able to live off of an island? I mean, why did we didn't see that with Yoda? Um, you know, why Why would we feel the need to have Luke catapulting through the ocean or whatever? Yeah, to, Tom, to, to I, kill I read, fish it, and it, to, and I to read milk. that Luke was drinking milk on Tatooine and it was probably Banta milk. So so it's, it's a character trait of Luke where he's into milk, into milk his whole life. And this is a throwback to the original. That's just something that I stumbled across in the last two weeks since I saw the movie. So I think Ryan Johnson had hundreds of items on his list. And I, I read that he had like hundreds of sets. And, and, and the producers, J.J. Abrams being one of them, made them scale back his sets. And then uh, fucking George Lucas showed up and said, why are you building models? You should just digitize some of this stuff. Like, apparently, (laughs) Ryan Johnson was off his rocker. He wanted to please everybody and anybody with with any kind of trivia, any kind of references to the early movies, any kind of, you know, sets, any kind of places. And, and, And between the producers and George Lucas, they made him scale back his vision and that's how we got this weird creation. Like, probably the telepathy between the Jedi wasn't even a thing. That was supposed to be separate conversations that got blended in. And so many things got compressed. So, so I, 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 I think he wanted to really impress fans of episode four. And by, by showing how Luke lived on Tatooine and showing how Luke lived on his fucking rock, whatever that is, was just, just, just you know, stroking the fans. Yeah, I read, I read a, similar, a similar thing, and I agree with you, Ken. I think the, the, the original cut of the movie was a little over three hours, and um, he had to dial it back to, you know, he dialed off like 32 minutes of the film, and it was still too long. But um, but I think you're right about the Easter egg with the milk and and Tom the whole thing with the fishing. Uh, although I would also I would not disagree that it's superfluous in the film. I think it it does share with the viewer and to Ray what the hell Luke Skywalker has been doing on um, on this planet all the time. 
he hasn't been meditating inside the Jedi Temple. He hasn't been using the Force and trying to find the deep answer of the world. He's literally just been in exile, eating fish, drinking milk, and and doing nothing. And I and I think that is important part about the the all of the conversations and his reaction to Ray and and everything that happens into uh, into the rest of it. So superfluous, well, yes. I, I think it still has purpose. Well, and, and and again, in terms of as we as we look forward at, at the time, it looks very in incongruous. But when when you get the reveal that Luke has removed himself entirely from the Force, while that goes to what Paul said about him not sitting in the Jedi Temple and meditating and everything else, it does sort of illustrate a very, for lack of a better phrase, earthly existence. So. Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense at first, but I think it, it makes perhaps more sense in retrospect. You know, Thanks. Joe, while, while um, can you, as our resident scientist, speak to the midichlorians? I mean, just okay. for my benefit and for Tom's benefit, you <laughs> no, know, I, I are, just, I is, there any, is there any remote scientific principle that they're tapping into with this stupid fucking, you know, cellular... Kinetic, biology, no. telepathy. No. What what's going on? None. Bad bad move on George Lucas's part. I don't even want to talk about him. So Tom, your next uh, your next. I tried. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you you guys are simply saying that you don't believe the character when he says he hasn't. Um, that when he says he has removed himself with the force and you feel that he you have to see him eating catching fish and, and no Tom, all, the, 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 don't put words in our mouths all we're saying is that and is it superfluous maybe does it serve a purpose in the movie yes it does does it make it a slam dunk oscar winner no but it has a purpose that's all we're saying and we could be wrong that's all okay well at least we we agree that it's superfluous. Yeah. Uh, okay. So sometimes all you can do is teach a Christian to catch a fish. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's get to some, you know, bigger issues. Um, we're still on the island. Um, Ray, uh, um, in part, is 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 reaching out to Luke to get him back in the fold and help them, but um, she also is there for training. Does it bother any of you that other than, you know, talking about, you know, no rocks, there's really no training? And now she, you have someone in The Force Awakens who just miraculously, you know, knows the Force and can defeat Kylo Ren and there's trying to be some legitimacy here with her learning the force and you see very little um my my point with the previous thing with the fish and the the milk and all that stuff is that you taking you're taking time away from you have a two and a half hour move you're taking time away from things that can be done to make better character and to make things um palpable or palatable um and you have so little training 
already you are questioning Ray, how she can do what she can do, and now you have a time with the the greatest Jedi, you know, arguably. Um, <laughs> Tom, you have daughters. They don't want training. They just want your credit card and a lightsaber. <laughs> All right, so I I'm agreeing with you on this, Ken. Um, fair enough. Um, so I guess making Ray a more believable character, and and not you know a Disney character. Um, don't you think there should have been a little something about her learning things, um, and you know. Uh, well, I'll I'll stop there for now. I mean, would, don't you think there should have been some some bloody training involved? I, I don't think that Luke trained her at all. <laughs> I don't think any more training occurred than what we saw, and that's the reason why she had to take those books. Now, so <laughs> what? He didn't uh, no. train her. There was nothing to show. That's why it didn't. That's why it wasn't in the movie, because it never occurred. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, you. Um, She's so going to take the correspondence course between episodes eight and nine. <laughs> so she can lift all those rocks at the end without any training. You, so, just said you, know, that she, so, you just said she didn't have any training. Yes. So you, she can lift all those rocks without any training. Yes. So, so Tom, it doesn't bother me, and here's why. Because the, 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 the simple question that's been revolving around Ray since the, her character was introduced is, who is she? Who does she belong to? What is the deal with her? Why is she so powerful with the Force when she apparently has just been picking apart equipment on a desert planet in the middle of nowhere for her whole life. So to me, that question is still up for grabs. Like, you know, is she Ben Solo's sister or cousin? And was she separated from him because they, who knows, for whatever reason, for some kind of disturbance in the force or something or other? Like, what is the deal with Ray? And that's the open question. And it and it continues. I was I was more disturbed with that aspect of her character after episode seven and and for finn that manner like you know why does this you know guy who was a stormtrooper like have you know lightsaber skills that can match kylo ren for at least a couple minutes um it's just an extension of that so am i okay with it yeah because i assume i'm gonna find out the answer in episode nine hmm but but again, you're right. There's no training. I don't know what I don't know what 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 Ray would have benefited from hopping around the island and doing flips and standing on her hands and lifting up rocks. But so, so, you know, but, it wasn't but that, there. So that's that's another point because what's you know there there are a couple of different aspects here. What's what's one of the the greatest beefs with Episode Seven? It's Episode Four redone. It's it's the Goldilocks reprise. Right. <laughs> if, if 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 they had put in if they had put in training sequences, first of all, 
say what you want to, the training sequences in Empire were anything that they would do today would pale in comparison, I think. I mean, given given what else we've seen from this crew and the way they make these movies, I, I think it would be a pale imitation, first of all, and it would only further heighten the fact, as Paul pointed out, that this trilogy is the first trilogy sort of repackaged. So it would have been, I think, too obvious to do that. And to that end, and, and this is this is part of my beef with, with the storytellers here, is they too often take the contrived easy way out. So Snoke actually provides the answer here. He said, as Kylo Ren became powerful in the dark side, I knew someone would pop up to balance him out. So that's why that's where Ray's getting all of this juice, because the Force is trying to balance itself out. Now this goes completely at odds with everything that we thought we've ever known about the Force, midi chlorians or not. But it sort of it allows the storytellers to get past a difficult point. Is it satisfying? Not really. Does it answer the question enough that you can at least go, hey, okay, great, let's just move on? Oh. Ken, were you were you going to say something? Um, Ryan Johnson, Kathleen Kennedy, and Rom Bergen got paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to contemplate the questions that we are now contemplating. <laughs> <laughs> and they did it probably between the hours of like 9 to 5 and not at one 1.15 in the morning. But all that being said, I commend you, my fellow Jedi, for for <laughs> taking on this 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 burden and conquering this universe. I think we've done a tremendous job of figuring out what's going on here. Um, uh, uh, the Last Jedi was a royal crock of shit that just kind of did a wonderful job of tying up a lot of loose ends that Rogue One and The Force Awakens opened up. It was a can of worms, and they needed to create a can of worms. And I'm going to take this in a totally different direction. We are the progressive palaver. We are lifelong friends with great conversations, and we are male to the core. Let's talk about female protagonists in this movie. Let's do that. Go, go, Joe, go. Uh, well, <clears throat> I found it to be very interesting. You know, I, I don't even know where to begin. In episode seven, I found Ray to be one of the most annoying characters ever created in anything I'd ever seen. I found her much more palatable in this one. Um, simply, I think. I think the the dynamic between her and Luke was was very grounding in that. Um, I liked sort of the interaction she had with Kylo Ren, and I thought that added a lot of depth to the whole thing. But she wasn't really a leader at that point. You know, she's still sort of figuring it out. Which brings us to Leia. Um, we already talked a little bit about Leia. I think Leia is, you know, one of the things that I liked about Leia. In, in this movie was, you know, they 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 spent a lot of time showing her interaction with Poe and trying to sort of mold him into a leader, um, which I 
I thought that was very interesting. Um, but I, you know, I, I think if, if the last half of the movie, she isn't really there, it becomes much more interesting, which brings us to Laura Dern's character, which, you know, that was, I don't know that they did it well. And Tom, maybe you can speak to this knowing more about, you know, the art of, of making movies and telling stories. They really tried to keep us guessing as to whether Lord Dern's character was a badass or a dumbass. As opposed to a punk ass, which is exactly. Yoda and the entire Jedi fleet. Just, and, and so, you know, you're, you're, you're flip-flopping back and forth, and you can never quite figure it out. And ultimately, it turns out that she is a badass, and she knew what was going on. Um, and, and, and again, you know, it, it's... The, the, I think that story was told pretty well, but not fantastically, you know? Well, well Joe, if I, if I may, uh, one of the big issues I have um, is, aside from what you guys brought up with the whole Princess Leia floating through space and all that, and the, that the Mary whole, Poppins thing. I like that part. The whole Mary Poppins yeah. thing. Mary Poppins is um, bullshit. Why did she have to be out of the movie after that? I mean, or why Why did she even have to be um, hit or, you know, injured or whatever? I mean, there's just the whole point of her exiting the movie being in you know an infirmary, infirmary or whatever, and having Laura Dern's role come in, I think the the people behind who are making these story decisions need to ask themselves: instead of just adding characters, why not make the characters you have stronger? Princess Leia is a great character. When you're when she's in the when the beginning of that film, um, she's a leader. She's someone that you want to follow. Um, you know, unlike Mark Hamill, she's actually a, a, a decent actor. She she plays the role very strongly. Why even have her um, be hit and take her out of the movie until the very end just to introduce someone else? Because Leia is someone who can, if she had been making Laura Dern's decisions, it would have made her a stronger character. Um, and you know what? We've been waiting for these characters to, to do great things for, you know, 30 years or whatever, since the, since the Return of the Jedi. Um, we don't want to see a glorified cameo. Of her just, you know, the whole same shot where the camera kind of goes in whenever we see Leia. And then she's standing there with a really, you know, serious look on her face. And, we're, and we have the same shot where the camera keeps going in. Like, let's have the character do something, guys. Let's have, let's see what this character can actually do. Why is she out of the, why is she out of the film? Why are we bringing Laura Dern into the film just to make decisions that she could be making herself? These are lead characters. If you want to talk about what a strong female character 
is or what could be, let's sculpt out a strong female character and make mm -hmm. it happen. Why do we even have Laura Dern in the film? Uh, why can't Princess Leia, or in this Leia, um, make the smart decisions that Laura Dern was making, and you could, was even, she was, you could even she question was Leia. Dude, dude she, was, she was suffering from uh, space, the vacuum of space. She was unconscious in a tube all this time. Her bowels were filling. But, my but Paul, let's back up for a second. When Kylo Ren is about ready to shoot the ship, why sit on that for a moment? Wow, he decided not to shoot the ship. Why does the ship even have to be shot up? I mean, what? It's just you. It's like we get so drawn in to all the specifics of the technical this and the technical that. Let's talk about story. Why do? Why are these things even happening? Why? Tell me why. This the ship even had to be hit by the other people. Well, right. The, the either it, in, in in that particular case, either the ship has to be hit and Leia dies then, and Laura Dern's character takes over, or the ship doesn't have to be hit because ultimately nothing is gained by Leia being Mary Poppins in space. I, I agree with you. Oh, yes, agreed, agreed. Yeah, okay. could have been that simple. So oh. the. The, the ship being hit is probably the, 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 one of the biggest character moments of the movie because Kylo Ren has the ships, has the, the target in his sights. He feels the presence of his mother and fails to pull the trigger. That, I, that we keep. I like it. Sharing, I sharing it. those conflict. characters. Bingo. Sharing that there's conflict. Someone else comes in and blows it up for him. Well, that right. Was. So, so if well, why did he if, slice his father so easily? Well, and, and and Snoke speaks to that as well, which I thought was very very interesting. In sort of a, I don't know. It, it was sort of like a, an almost a nod to Harry Potter when he killed his father. Instead of going fully over to the dark side, it just conflicted him that much more which is an interesting sort of inversion of the way that bad people normally get to be badder. Um, but, but back to the point, Paul, once Kylo Ren decides to not shoot, that's where your decision is. Because either, you know, I, I like that. I think that's very important in the story. So if he doesn't shoot and you decide to not have Leia do the Mary Poppins thing, then just no one shoots the ship. But, but if you still want to have someone else come in and shoot the ship, then Leia has to die there. And, yeah. and you can okay. still have her around Force Ghost, which is really cool, but you know, whatever. And that, well, that does go back. So, so like, I, yeah, like I, I don't. It's it's almost silly that we're arguing about this stuff because <laughs> I, you know, that you know that I agree with you that, that, and I said it earlier. Like this whole circumstance is the weakest part of the whole movie. The fact that we have this crippled fleet that is surrounded by like a half dozen star destroyers, and yet, and somehow they're gonna they're gonna trick them all by flying just outside of their range, where their blasters can't hurt them, and the 
They're too far away for the TIE fighters to fight them because they can't protect the TIE fighters. And you can't tell me that any one of those Star Destroyers just can't put the juice on a little bit to get up there and blow the <laughs> shit out of them. I mean, it, 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 is, it, is, the, it is the weakest part of the yeah. whole movie. It's weak and, and it, it lasts way too long. I mean, it's like way, last, way too long. It, it, lasts long enough, it lasts long enough to have a whole ancillary plot line come in. And, right. and be, which, you never, which you never have any urgency about the whole time they're on that casino planet. You aren't on the edge of your seat. You're not thinking like, oh, my God, they got to get back because you're just seeing images of these lasers like lazily going across space and like poofing on the shields that are there. The, yeah, whole, the only the thing whole that entered my mind is, oh, Benicio del Toro must have had an entire year where he wasn't making a movie. Uh, cool. OK, <laughs> so let's let, so, so so real quick, so real quick, I will I will submit to you that the whole reason that Laura Dern is in there is to kill time in the story, but that is already so weak. So Tom, I do not, I do not, um, I, I, I don't disagree with you around that point. However, I don't think it's a very good example to discuss the female characters that are in, in, in the Star Wars saga at all. Well, She's the, she the is reason a, why I brought it up well, is because Ken had, had said, let's talk about the female characters. And yeah. I think we it, it missed a mark, um, being that uh, Princess Leia, as we've known her, she was a strong character from from the get go. Um, she didn't take any shit. Um, she was someone who um, made so her did own Laura decisions. Did she take any shit, Tom? Did she take any shit? Didn't seem Paul, like it. Paul, but the th she put the, dude right in his place. Right in his place. The problem is, it was a cameo. We don't see any. We see a, like a little, a couple little things. Let's really have right. a story with strong characters that actually are making we decisions. Do. We do have a story with strong characters, Tom. It's just not that one. It, it and that that that's the whole point. Yes, she is a, a wasted character and she's a throwaway character, just like Admiral Akbar is in this. Like this guy. Admiral Akbar is in like he's a classic character. Oh, he just blew off into space. Sorry, he's gone. Yeah, that he's was fucking lame. Very unceremonious. But like, if you want to talk about the female characters, let's talk about the female characters. Let's talk about Princess Leia. Let's talk about uh, Ray. Like, you know, they're the characters. Even Captain Phasma is a throwaway character in this in this movie. It has nothing to do with anything. I, I think, you know, for for me. All of this, and, and Ken, you brought in Benicio Del Toro, it speaks to, again, sort of say what you want to about George Lucas and his storytelling. You know, Star Wars is not known for super-duper strong storytelling, and and this, this illustrates it perfectly. You know, here again, if you had, if you had brought Laura Dern in, but kept her around to sort of pay off in the next movie, sort of assuming that Leia role, that would have gotten you something. Or if you're not going, if you're just going to kill her off, <coughs> then utilize Leia in that role, you know, to, to do the things that Laura Dern's character did. It, it makes no sense to bring Laura Dern in, have her be this total badass, have this sort of, is she, isn't she a badass sort of angle to it, and then just not pay it off at all. There's there's no there's no reward from that. Well, and I think Benicio, 
I, I think Thank Benicio you, Joe, del- that was actually what I was. Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I agree. I agree. I think I think Benicio del Toro's character is exactly the same way. He was completely engaging. He was phenomenal. But ultimately, he did nothing. There was no. It, it was like you said, Tom. It was it was a twenty minute cameo for no mm-hmm. no reason whatsoever. So so I'll push back on that one a little bit because I I loved his character and I loved what he introduced to the whole saga, which I think we're going to see more of in the future and less of. Um, we, we, we were exposed to less of it. So he's like, they introduced this whole other uh, affluent class that is basically getting wealthy on, on the conflict between the First Order and the, uh, the once Republic and now the, um, the yes, good guy. Yes, very relevant. Right? Taking Han Solo, Lando Calrissian, and that whole class to the next level and we actually see what it's worth in this movie, and I, I'm I'm grateful for it. But yeah, and I, I I compare I compare it to the huts, right? Like the huts were like the gangsters, and they even though they were the gangsters, they lived inside of the empire's world, right? They were, you know, if if Vader didn't like the way things were going, he showed up and basically bent the huts to his will. The, this gangster class of criminals that are you know selling weapons and doing whatever. They they exist outside of this conflict. They are profiting off of it. And I thought one of the best lines of the whole movie was when Del Toro's character says, he says, um, he says, hey, you blow them up today. They blow up you tomorrow. This is just business. And he walks off with all of his money. And I think he'll be back. Like I I, I fully expect his 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 character to come back. Yeah, but. I, I don't know how they can bring him back in any sort of meaningful way. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. In the story, who's paying for all these star destroyers and turning planets into guns and and blowing shit up? I mean, it's 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 crazy, right? In, in terms of that, so to have to have sort of that aspect of the story illustrated, I, I you know, I, okay. I uh, quick segue to Gwendolyn Christie of Games of Thrones. Uh, Absolutely. Fame. Captain Phasma is a horrible character. Had they taken the mask off in The Force Awakens, had they taken the mask off earlier in The Last Jedi, we would have bonded with the character of Captain Phasma. We established very little cred with that character, and we cared not when the character appeared to die. Agreed? It had no impact whatsoever. She yeah, you're like, yeah, of course, character. she's a chump. Right, right. A potentially valuable female character that really was portrayed with the least effort in the movie. And maybe the three-hour version would have done justice, but we got the two-point, you yeah. know, two-five-hour version that sucked. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, and, 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 and just to finish this out, you know, the Rose character, I... Ultimately, I don't think there was anything overly compelling about her in the final analysis either. I think, you know, I think it goes back to the, the storytellers don't, you know, they're they're not quite. Um, who's who's the guy who does the? Um, he's they're they're not quite Michael Bay in, in regards of just bombast and 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 light shows. 
but they're they're not great at developing characters. Any any of them. Mm. I, I thought the um, <clears throat> character of Rose was um, an endearing character. I thought um, she was endearing, but wasn't. <clears throat> well, I think it was a good female character. She was strong, but she was vulnerable. Vulnerable. Um, but one of my main issues I have. I mean, where the hell did this kiss come from? And she loves him. I mean, doesn't I mean that was just totally thrown out. Um, <clears throat> it was. It was too compressed. The there was no development there. It happened way Absolutely too fast. Absolutely no development. Nothing. Not even a spark. Now it, it could have been such an easy fix. Um, the whole thing worked well with what Finn was doing and Rose saving him, but you know. It's just a whole Disney thing, you know, and I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I mean, you don't need to have that sort of cadence, if you will, um, to a storyline where you're, you know, you love someone and you're going to, you know, kiss them and, and you're, you have feelings for them. There was nothing, nothing in the film at any time where we saw any sort of chemistry where she would give him a kiss at the end, or she was saving him because of any sort of emotional attachment like that. Um, I think she was such a strong character where she was fighting off people who wanted to abandon the mission, um, and she was so passionate about what she was doing, um, I think she would save Finn because of the cause and we didn't right not because of passion yeah exactly. right and, exactly. and, and, and maybe, so, maybe maybe that's what leaves the bad taste in my mouth in that yeah you're absolutely right when you first are introduced to her and she, you know she she zaps the shit out of him and hauls him off to the brig that's pretty cool you know when she's taught when she releases a little beast on the planet yeah you know you kind of get you know what what drives her and then like you said, just to have that take a complete left-hand turn, it just doesn't make any sense. And and it sort of, I think it diminishes the character in the final analysis. Paul? Um, you know, it didn't bother me as much after seeing it two times. I, you know, I, I don't sit there and watch movies with the significant, especially Star Wars movies, you know, worrying about the secondary characters, you know, love love development i just it just didn't bother me i i didn't i didn't think was the kiss unusual yes it was was it even more unusual like i think i was more disturbed by the fact that you know she was injured she mustered up this great line in the movie gave him a kiss and then like passed out right then and there <laughs> that I was mean, pretty that was that was like george lucas directing it wasn't good yeah Exactly. So all right. that and, you know, all right. So so do we want to see Rose? Do we want to see Finn? Do we want to see the bro dude in the next episode? So I think I think Rose is a fine fine addition. Like I think that there was this um uh Joe, I think you've mentioned the idea of, of un you know, getting themselves out of the corner they painted themselves into. There was this somewhat of a love interest between Ray and Finn, and you can't have your next set of, you know, Jedi leader, um, you know, involved romantically with some dude. Um, so I think it gives 
it gives it's sort of like the the Luke and Leia, right? Like you first thought they were going to hook up, and then as it turns out, in the Empire Strikes Back. Well, it looks like Han and Leia are going to hook up. It's kind of like that. So, so now uh, Finn has a, a love interest, and um, wouldn't you know it? She's a female, and she provides even more of a visual diversity to the Star Wars universe, which is desperately needed. Well, and, and, you know, you could see perhaps uh, a Rose stepping into, you know, maybe the, the Han Solo type character, sort of the, you know, roguish outside the lines a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Thing. I don't know. One of the most interesting things that I've read in the past week about this has to do about Finn. And um, the, 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 the purpose of the whole article was, you know, the author never really liked Finn. Because Finn was very one-dimensional after he decided to not be a stormtrooper anymore. Like, everything he did was was very selfishly motivated. Um, and it was all, a lot of it was based off this little fascination he had. Preserving his life against Kylo Ren is selfishly motivated. <laughs> no, no. No, it, 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 it was all around his fascination with Rey. And almost everything he did was designed to help or look after Ray. And if you think about his behavior in the first part of this in this movie, it was it was all about getting the little tracker device away from the fleet so Ray wouldn't come back and get her ass blown up. And so in in that regard, you know, again, Finn never really when I read it, I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see that. So the the turning point for Finn then turned is when he is driving himself into that that gun there, and, and you know he, he finally is doing something for the good of the resistance and not for the good of Ray, which was was a you know a potentially important turning point for the character. So you know maybe maybe they. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, and part of the reason why I generally like the movie is, you know, it's it, it's a middle movie, it's a setup movie, and did they did they move the pieces in in a seamless way? A lot of times, no, they didn't. There were some big herky jerky movements that kind of like what. But if if you if you look at where they started versus where a lot of the characters wound up the general trend seems to be in the right direction. What And what I'm fascinated about and what I'm very much looking forward to moving forward is, honestly, I can't see where they're going for episode nine because they've opened up so many different avenues for themselves. It could open up six months from, from the end of, of episode eight. It could end up six years from the end of episode eight. And I don't know which. And so I'm very fascinated to see that. Mm. Um, we were inspired as seven-year-olds approximately to see episode four and to follow this trilogy, you know, and then to follow the prequels. And then now in our old age to follow this new crap. Are we off the hook after episode nine, are we finally off the hook? We're off the hook, except we'll be taking our kids. Okay. 
I mean, I, I, I think what's, what you're going to see is, and I think, Tom, you had made this point, you know, Disney isn't going to make movies for old stodgy guys like us. Um, if, they can, if they can sort of hook us along the way, that's more money in the bank. But I think you're going to see probably a pretty significant demographic shift. But even, even my kids, I mean, you know, my kids grew up watching the prequel trilogy, which most people, you know, bash like crap. But I can tell you that, you know, Aiden and Ellis have watched episode three a shit ton more time than any of the original three, because that's what they like. And so you're going to have a whole new host of, of crop of consumers who are going to think these three are great. So, mm. you know, it's it's neither right nor wrong. It's just, you know, it's it's the movie business. Yeah. And Paul, your yeah. boys? I it, they, they, they're not really that. They also like watch the uh, original trilogy and the um, and the prequels. They're not. They're just not that interested in um, in Star Wars. They they go to see the movie once. We'll rent it. We'll watch it another time, maybe. But they're not. They're uh, they're not that um, enamored with uh, Star Wars. Mostly, they just avoid all of the things that I like, um, except <laughs> for sports. Um, uh, you know. You know, I'll, uh, name is Luke. Yeah, I know, I know. So the so the one, I guess the one question that I guess Tom asked, and I'll and I'll just try to answer that. This is that, like I I definitely do not uh, let these little tiny things bother me when I watch Star Wars movies. I'm in for the I'm in for the big picture. Um, I know it's gonna it's gonna be silly. I know there's gonna be some quirky parts that I don't agree with. So I. I really don't let all of this stuff um, get get too 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 too. Uh, I don't let it distract me too much. Um, usually, and I, I walked out of this film, and I you know everybody asked me what did you think, and I said I liked it, and I just left it at that because you don't want to spoil it for anyone. You want everyone to have their own opinion. So um, I don't get distracted by all of that. I will say this: I on Christmas Day, I went out and saw Jumanji. <laughs> with um, with Dwayne uh, Thompson, The Rock, and uh, Kevin Hart, and Jack Black, and a couple of others, and and I would tell you that pound for pound, it was a much better film than uh, Episode Eight, and I would highly recommend that. I think uh, Tom, if you haven't seen that, uh, I, your kids would probably love it. And uh, really, yeah. You know, so yours too. And and Ken, it was it was an extremely if you guys, I never, I don't remember seeing the first Jumanji movie with Robin Williams. Um, so I don't really know what, you know, if there was any kind of like throwbacks to that. But, you know, pound per pound character development, I think much more satisfying than, uh, than episode eight. Wow. That's, um, that's a testimonial right there. Yeah. <laughs> but I still love all, I love Star Wars. So, Okay. Yep. Well, I, you know, I, I certainly love Star Wars too. Um, you know, yeah, it's it's. Um, what was that documentary that came out a while back? It was um, talked about George Lucas. What was something something in the eyes of George Lucas? Um, it was like, why does the world hate George Lucas? Because he I, just I, sat I around was, drinking latte during the like first three prequels and whatever. Well, it it, it, it talked about um, 
it's sort of like the rise of Star Wars, and then uh, it, it, it was oh, it was something about oh no, it was called um, Star Wars fans versus um, George Lucas, something of that matter, um, and it talked about the rise of, of George Lucas and the, the brilliance brilliance of the first three movies. <laughs> Um, and then through, through the eyes of fans and then talked about the remaking of the first three movies with the, you know, who shot first with Han Solo and, and Guido and then the, the special effects and all that, the, the remake, the ones that everyone knows now, um, the problems that the fans had with that. And then the debacle of the prequels and then all that. But anyway, it talked about how, and I, and Paul, just so you know, I'm just as guilty as, as probably you with episode one. I hated episode one, but I ended up watching it in the theater like two or three times because I couldn't like believe what I was see- I was like, it was like <laughs> denial. It was like, so I, I was like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Or maybe I just, saw it wrong or i didn't understand what i was seeing i wanted to love it so much yeah so much you know time had passed since return of the jedi and i wasn't the only one it was like the reason why that movie made so much bloody money was so many fans actually went to the movies and saw it like a half dozen times and because they were just like it was like was this what i remember from the original you know they were you're, you're asking yourself all these questions um, because we're just complete fans of Star Wars, so and we're right, right, hell, right. we're willing to spend up, you know, spend three hours talking about this, and we're in our late forties. I mean, that's freaking ridiculous. So I mean, um, you know, we're obviously fervent fans, and we love, we you know, we love Star Wars. But part of being that is we um, we are willing to Paul going back to with what you were saying, we're o- to oversee certain things. And to explore even the um, the faults of Star Wars because we love it so much, and we're willing to um, you know oversee this stuff. So that being said, who knows? I might even see the Last Jedi again if I you know because <laughs> I want to. All right, so Tom, it sounds like you'll also see Episode Nine. So so we're all pretty much course, on the hook for course. Episode Nine. Um, yeah. uh, it, 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 it's 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 been reported around the internet that they broke so many rules in episode eight that we're almost off the hook. Like if 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 you feel violated by episode eight, then don't go see episode nine. You know they broke the physics, they broke the story, they broke so many things. You know it's just it's just our free will at this point. I, I do want to credit. Um, Red Letter Media. If we're rolling the credits for everything we've talked about, Red Letter Media and Mr. Plinkett is a YouTube series that really takes the Phantom Menace and the uh, prequels and just rakes them over the coals. So, <laughs> so I love that particular YouTube series, and I credit my understanding of the prequels to Red Letter Media. And... Uh, I'm just grateful to you guys, Paul, Joe, Tom, the progressive flavor, 
for forwarding my knowledge of this stupid Disney movie that, <laughs> that I wouldn't ordinarily see, but thank you. And our, um, our friend in hiding, William, I got to give him a shout out. We had a series of 30 text messages trying to figure out this movie. And uh, it's, it's been a lot of work to, for me to figure out if I like or hate this movie. Well, that's awesome, Ken, and that's, uh, that's a great way to sort of bring it home here. I will say, to your point, I, I, I'm sure I will go to see it, but I have had, I have, I'm not firmly committed to go seeing the Han Solo movie. Um, there's just, I, I, there's something about that that isn't resonating with me at this point. I just don't know that I care. Um, right, I made the mistake of saying episode nine, but they have other crap in, installed before then. Right now, if if they make a a, a Ben an Obi Wan Kenobi movie, I'm totally there. But a Han Solo movie with this guy I've seen, I I I just don't know. Yeah, Tom, would you go see the Han Solo movie? Absolutely, anything Star Wars, I'll see. Ah, Paul, would you go see it? Yeah, I'll see it. All right, we're suckers. I, I'll yeah. go see it. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I will, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not going to rush out and have tickets for opening night like I did with uh with episode eight. Come on, let's let's fly out. Let's fly out to California and I'll see it together. Uh, <laughs> I was so recorded episode about it. I was so uh, interested. I I watched the first ten minutes of the um of the Christmas special, the Chewbacca Christmas special. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> All right, wow. gentlemen, this has been just fantastic. More than <laughs> more than I could have hoped. More, more than probably most of us wished for. <laughs> you guys, you guys, you guys are simply the best. Um, you'll, I be, you... you'll be editing this episode until episode nine comes out. <laughs> Wishing you guys uh, a happy and safe new year, and we will see you for a stronger 2018 with the Palaver. Yeah, Thanks, absolutely. Rock and roll. Thanks. Rock and roll, guys. All right. You guys rock. <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. Thank right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this very special episode of Progressive Palaver. We hope you have enjoyed the conversation. Um, we certainly enjoyed having the conversation. Again, we in no way, shape, or form claim to be experts on the subject matter, and we appreciate there's a lot of material out on Star Wars, but we did just want to entertain ourselves, and hopefully you have uh, enjoyed this episode for that. And we look forward to getting back to our regular discussions um, concerning progressive rock music in the future. Progressive Palaver is, as always, available on both iTunes and Google Play. We are hosted on SoundCloud. Fee please feel free to uh, reach out to us and comment or send your questions or thoughts. Um, you can tweet us at progpala. You can email progpala at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Facebook or Instagram, both of those progressive palaver. Thank you very much, and we look forward to the next time.